Well, if, you have, uh, if you've been with us for the last several weeks, or maybe you've been on vacation in the height of vacation season, uh, but we are now smack in the very center of our uh, uh, Summer in the Scriptures installment that we do every year. And this year we are focusing on what is sometimes known as the Faith Hall of Fame from Hebrews 11. And as our preachers have been clarifying along the way, this chapter is not, you know, saying, hey, you should have better faith. But instead, it is, you know, looking at how, uh, how these people had powerful faith because they first, they believed God, and then they put their faith into action, trusting that God would hold to his promise uh, for them. So this is why we've called this the Faith in Action Hall of Famers trademark. Uh, faith in Action Hall of Famers. And in these last two weeks, we've been looking at the family of, of Abraham and, uh, and how God is establishing a a people for himself. Two weeks ago, if you weren't here, man, Ben Zulsdorf preached an awesome sermon. Props for Ben. Um, he preached on, uh, on uh, Abraham and how Abraham was tested and had to follow through with some pretty serious testing of his, of his faith. And if you didn't see that sermon, you should definitely go back and watch it from two weeks ago. And then last week, Pastor Jeff walked us through Abraham's uh, wife, Sarah, and how she had to believe God that God would provide an heir for her, even though she was 99 years old. And Jeff's challenge to us in that was, and this pretty much goes for the whole series, right? What does it look like for us to live by faith actually taking embodied action in that faith, even though God has not yet come through with his promises for us yet. So that's what this Faith in Action Hall of Fame series is all about. And this week we're on to uh, what's essentially the third phase of the story of Abraham and his, his immediate core family. Um, and we're arriving at Hebrews 11.20. So if you have your Bible out, you can crack that open to Hebrews chapter 20, which points to what is essentially, it's basically the aftermath of that whole scene of Abraham being tested. But this time, it's not the perspective of Abraham. It points to the perspective of Isaac and his experience of going through that. Because, I mean, we hear all about Abraham's experience of that, but the Bible doesn't say a whole lot about Isaac. But, like, he was the guy being sacrificed. So I'm pretty sure that that would have some kind of impact on his faith, right? So, um, so let's look at Hebrews 11, verse 20. One sentence, so packed. Here it is. It says, by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. That's it. So I was like, really? I have to preach that week? This is going to be so hard. <laughs> so basically, Isaac had, and we're going to do a lot of review, by the way. So we're going to be in Genesis a lot. So in just a minute, we'll crack open to Genesis. But it's the summer in the scriptures, right? So we're going to spend a lot of time in the book of Genesis today. But Isaac had two sons. Uh, Jacob and Esau, and um, uh, you remember he blessed them, but he blessed them with two really different blessings. And this one sentence verse, man, it is so packed with, with deep meaning, and it's so packed with the multiple stories of Abraham's family's experiences with God. So, um, so before we can even talk about Isaac's share in that blessing, we have to go back to the blessing of Abraham, because the blessing of Abraham, the blessing of Isaac, and then him forwarding that blessing to his sons is all interconnected. It's all basically the same blessing as God is establishing his people in the, the book of Genesis. So in Genesis 12, uh, this is what the Lord said to Abraham. He called out to him and said, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. 
I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And so this is how the blessing, uh, how the Lord blessed Abraham, except what was the problem? Remember last week, there was a problem, right? Sarah and Abraham did not have an heir, and they were barren. They couldn't, they couldn't have a child, and so um, after, you know, Lord says, you're going to have a baby. So after some initial doubts, uh, they finally put their faith into action, and at the age of 99, they become parents, which Pastor Jeff enjoyed making us feel really uncomfortable last week about that whole thing. <laughs> if you were here, that was an awesome moment in MCC history, so good job, dude. Uh, uh, so then, boom, so then they have Isaac, right? They've got their, their miracle heir of the blessing, and it looked like God's blessing of Abraham uh, to make Abraham into a nation for God's, God's self uh, would actually come to pass. So then we see that Isaac, you know, when we see that Isaac blessed his sons, now, you know, we can understand that all he's really doing, he's passing on that same blessing from Abraham to his, to his sons, um, and they would become, be blessed, and uh, that they would bless all peoples on the earth. That's really important, and we'll come back to that. And as they say, here's where, here's where it gets weird. Here's where the story starts to get interesting. By faith, Isaac blessed his sons, his twin sons, Jacob and Esau, it says, with regard to their future. Well, he blesses them, and as a continuation of Abraham's blessing that, that we just looked at, but he blesses them with two just radically different blessings. So we have to look at the two blessings that Isaac passed on to his two sons in Genesis 27. So he, this is how he blessed Jacob. You tell me which blessing you would want. To Jacob, he says, may God give you heaven's dew and earth's richness and abundance of grain and new wine and may nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed and may those who bless you be blessed. So man, if God is establishing a nation through me, I would be like, that was the blessing that I wanted to, wanted to have, right? That's, so things are looking pretty good for Jacob, but by contrast, here's how he blesses Esau. And, um, and, by, and remember, technically Esau, even though they're twins, he's the older brother. So he came out, what, a few seconds earlier? So in, technically he would have been the heir, but this is how this is how his dad blesses Esau. He's like, Esau, your dwelling will be away from the earth's riches, richness, away from the dew of heaven, and you will serve your brother. Ouch. But you will grow restless and will throw his yoke from off of your neck. Not a very, not the blessing you want to receive, right? And kind of insult to injury as well. It basically just reaffirms how awesome his brother's blessing is, right? So uh, poor, poor Esau. Now, um, and, and we can't take too much time on, on diving into this really deeply because it's not ultimately this central to the message that we have from Hebrews today, but we're in summer in the scriptures and this is really important to understand how these two very different blessings came to be and that ultimately the, the nations that these two blessings would form these two sons into and how Isaac's blessing would set the stage for them. Because the feud between Esau and Jacob it began when they were, what? When they were in the womb together, right? And the Lord had already told their mother, Rebecca, what was about to happen with regard to these two brothers. If we look at Genesis 25, uh, it tells this story. It says, the babies jostled. I'm thinking about Shelly because she's pregnant right now. The babies jostled each other within her. And she said, why is this happening to me? 
um, which I think is really, like if you're a parent and you have kids and they're fighting, you're just like, why is this happening to me? She said, why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord and the Lord said to her, said to her two nations are in your womb and two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other and the older will serve the younger. So from the get-go, Rebecca knows that, uh, you know, it's the older brother who's going to serve the younger brother. Esau is going to end up serving Jacob. And down the line, Jacob turns into being kind of a, kind of a scheming, uh, scheming and conniving dude. And um, next week, Pastor Jeff is going to preach on Jacob's great faith. Uh, but so, so I don't want to steal too much of his story. But suffice it to say, both Jacob and his mother, they do some some scheming to, uh, to trick their father's son, Isaac, into giving the blessing that was actually intended for Esau. So in a way, Isaac kind of, uh, excuse me, Esau sort of gets kind of a bummer deal, right? But remember back even earlier in Genesis, uh, he had already, we, we saw what he thought of his birthright, um, which wasn't much. Does anybody remember what it was that Esau traded his birthright to his brother Jacob for? What did he do? What did he trade it for? Soup for a hot lunch. That's what. It, that's the the value that he had put into his his birthright. And uh, um, so uh, so makes me feel a little better about him getting the crummy blessing. And uh, so Rebecca had already been told anyway by the Lord. You know what? Esau is going to serve Jacob. The the older is going to serve the younger. So this narrative in Genesis it really is serving to show us that God had elected the line of Jacob to become his chosen people. Um, and man, this is all a mess, isn't it? It's like, wait, these are the good guys? This is all such a mess. How's, how's this work? And how does this scheming, conniving Jacob uh, guy, why is he getting the good blessing? That doesn't sound, that doesn't sound uh, like the way that I think that the Lord would do it. But we've got to remember that uh, these chapters in Genesis, pretty much from chapter 12 all the way to the end, it's pretty much about, um, it's, it's for the purpose of telling us the story of how God Most High was establishing his people. And this story serves to explain how Jacob ultimately, trans, you know, he's, he ends up being transformed when he wrestles with God. And it's from his line that God would develop his people, Israel. So a lot of backstory, I know. So here's, here's the deal with Esau, however. Esau, on the other hand, with his not so great blessing, he would go on to become uh, the nation of Edom, right? So when we read the Bible and it talks about Edom or the Edomites, those are the descendants of Esau and they would become a very problematic nation for Israel. They were just, uh, they were the 12 Arabic tribes that were just south of the land of Judah where, where we would find Jerusalem. And, um, and so they become synonymous with this phrase, the nations. Right? So the, 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 the nations that are problematic for Israel, that are enemies of God's people, they basically just call them uh, the nations, but with, with Edom as being like the poster child of the nations. And that's really important. We'll come back to that in just a bit. So bottom line, the central, I guess you would say the literary theme of this story, it serves to establish the founding of Israel as the nation of God's people. And the central theme is that despite how messed up all of this Isaac had blessed Jacob's line, and you know, uh, he, he's like, it's a done deal um, that the older will serve the younger. So I know that's a, that's a lot of context, right? Uh, and we'll come back to this theme about the Edomites and the nations and all of that in a minute. But for the sake of looking at Isaac's great blessing of faith, getting back to that, we have to ask, 
Is that all it was? Like him blessing his son, that was an act of great faith. I could bless somebody right now. Like, let's go. Um, so there's got to be more to this, right? And so the big question is, what is spiritually formative for us, God's church, in this story of Isaac's great faith of blessing his sons for the sake of their future? Well, first, and this is like kind of super obvious, but so Isaac had faith in what had been promised to the Lord by his, by his father Abraham. And it concerned himself. He, and he wouldn't have had to learn this on his own. I mean, I'm sure growing up, he heard that from his, his, his parents and his family that, um, you know, that, that he was this, uh, the, the son, that, the heir that the Lord had, had provided for them. But then God would totally uh, raise the ante, raise the bar in that blessing regarding Isaac in the story that Ben Z told two weeks ago about the testing of Abraham. Um, and, you know, I know a lot of us have heard this story, but uh, this is where God said to Abraham, take your, your one and only son, the one that you longed for for so long, take him to Mount Moriah and sacrifice him there. Uh, and we, like I said, so many of us know the story that uh, Abraham trusted the Lord and he was, he was trusting that God would provide another sacrifice uh, so he wouldn't have to sacrifice his son. And, and that's what God does. And, uh, and it's this great scene. And this is Yahweh's way, this is the God of Israel's way of making this bold statement with, with Abraham to say, I am not like the other guys. I'm not like the false gods that these nations are worshiping. I am the capital G, real God, and I don't demand sacrifice for myself from you. I, I love you enough to provide a sacrifice for you. And that's all from Ben's sermon. Again, you should go back and watch that. It's a really powerful word. The Lord says in Genesis 22 uh, that he'll establish his covenant with Isaac. So this is where that first came up. And this is, uh, this is important um, because for the sake of all his descendants, not just his descendants through Jacob's line. Um, so after calling off the sacrifice, here's what the Lord had said to Abraham. He said, God said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord. That because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars of the sky and of the sand of the seashore. And your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies. And through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed. Why? Because you have obeyed me. And we should just pause right there for a second. Like, we should be like, Thank you, Abraham and Isaac, that you obeyed because we are, we get to, we're in the blessing right now because of that. Do you ever stop and think of that? That hit me yesterday when I was getting ready for my sermon. Now, so Isaac, uh, he was there when the Lord had said, said this to Abraham, right? And had said this promise, he would have heard it. Um, so not only did Abraham believe that Isaac's offspring and all nations would be blessed, but Isaac would have known this blessing was not just for him, for his descendants. In fact, Abraham and Isaac both knew that the blessing of their ancestors um, the, uh, of, of coming into the land of Canaan, the Lord had told them earlier in chapter 15, he said, oh, and by the way, this isn't going to happen for 400 years. So you're going to bless your descendants, but you're not, you don't get to enjoy that. This is 400 years off, and they would have known that going into it. So Isaac's blessing of Jacob and Esau was faith in action because he believed what the Lord had told his father, and then he bestowed that blessing onto his sons. He believed and then passed it on. Another reason that Isaac's blessing of Jacob um, and Esau is considered great faith in action, I think, is because when you think about it, there's power 
in, the, in that blessing of Isaac. The fact that it was him who blessed his, his sons. I mean, anyone can, like I said, anyone could just give a blessing. I don't know why I'm doing this. I guess I'm laying hands on somebody's head. Anyone can, can give a blessing. Um, but it was Isaac that forwarded the blessing on to become a great nation. And there was particular power in it. And here's why I think. So we can, we can deduce from scripture. So in other words, it doesn't say this outright, but when we look at the scripture around it, we can piece this together that it would appear that young, that Isaac, the young Isaac had already been surrendered to the Lord and had put his faith into action, possibly, most likely by being willing to be that sacrifice uh, that his father was going to sacrifice him when the Lord had tested him. He was, he was willing, and here's why, here's why I think that. So, you know, scripture's unclear about how old Isaac was when he was sacrificed, right? And um, uh, my wife Andrew and I were sitting on the sofa and we were talking about this, and, I, and we realized, oh, it doesn't really, the scriptures don't say how old he was. And she said, well, it says that he was a boy. And I was like, oh yeah, you're right. And so when I think of Isaac was a boy, I picture like a six-year-old boy or whatever, you know, a little boy, um, which is, you know, it's true that it does say boy, but when you look at the Hebrew word that's used right here, it's this, and I can't, don't ask me to pronounce it, is this really flexible term um, that could mean baby or child or young man or teenager. It's often used for servant. And in fact, in, right here in, in chapter 22, that same word Boy is used for the, uh, the two servants that accompanied Isaac and, and Abraham to Mount Moriah, right? So, hmm, so he could, he could be not just what we think of as a boy, but also when you add to that, when you consider that how old was Sarah when, she, when Isaac was born? She was 90. How old was she when she passed away? 127. So 37 years had passed. I mean, and she died after the Mount Moriah thing, but still, that's a, there's a gap in there, right? Also, we see phrases in scripture like, a long time later, or sometime later. And when we see that, that's a way of scripture showing us that a long time has passed. But here's the, here's the, the one that really makes me realize that Isaac would have been old enough. Uh, okay, so he accompanies his 100-year-old dad on a three-day journey through the desert to Mount Moriah, carries all the wood for the sacrifice up the mountain on his back. So it's very likely that he was at least a young, young teenager, young man. And thinking through all of this, we begin to realize that this strapping young Isaac, if in fact Abraham had tried to, you know, uh, uh, restrain Isaac or, or bind him against his will, he could have ran away. He could have been like, hey, 100-year-old old man, forget this. You're not going to sacrifice me. So Isaac... Isaac, if we think about it, was willing to be that sacrifice. He, he was believing God enough to the point to put his faith into that. And I'm sure he was terrified. And also like Abraham, hoping that the Lord would provide a different, different sacrifice. But, so that's pretty amazing when, when you think about it, right? But it goes even deeper than that. Because on the one hand, Isaac was willing to be the sacrifice, but he had also experienced, can you imagine the relief and the exhilaration that he experienced when God provided another sacrifice, it didn't have to be him. So he was like the proto-being-saved uh, guy. And, and uh, so he's holding both. He's willing to be the sacrifice, and he's enjoying the blessing of, of uh, being delivered from that. So, I mean, come on, if somebody's going to bless you, it's going to have power if you know that that person, what they've been through, what they sacrificed, what they've experienced. 
that adds power to their blessing. The other thing that adds power to Isaac's passing on of that blessing of Abraham to future generations, and and this speaks more to God's character, God's love for us, uh, the power is in the way that God shows his love and mercy and hope to all nations, not just the line of Jacob. Remember in uh, Genesis 22, God had promised Abraham, he said, through your offspring, all nations on earth would be blessed because you've obeyed me. And of course, you know, this all points ultimately to the fulfillment of God's promises for all the world, for all the nations, uh, the fulfillment of God's promises in the, in, uh, in the incarnation and the death and the resurrection of Jesus that would happen two years later. That's what this whole story is all about. All points to the Messiah, all points to Jesus as the one who is capable of delivering not just God's, God's chosen people, but all people's. I'm glad that I'm one of all those peoples. Yeah. So again, the question is, so how's this spiritually formational for me? Well, and this has been a lot of biblical context. I'm a context person. That's like my number two strength finder strength. So I always need to know the context. So that's been a lot uh, for us to know and understand the the narrative, the biblical biblical narrative of God's interaction with human history. And right now um, you might be thinking, okay, we'll get to the point. Well, here's what Isaac's blessing for us means, I think. And it's a really simple thing. When we pass on God's blessing, God's kingdom blessing, when we pass that on, we shape futures. Or in other words, let me say it differently. When we become active participants in ensuring, right? Ensuring that that blessing of God is forwarded to others. We partner with what God wants to do to shape the future of God's kingdom. That's a pretty big deal. Have you ever stopped to think, oh my gosh, I, I'm kind of responsible for shaping, for partnering with God to shape God's kingdom? Oh man, that should make, it's right now it's making my hand, uh, hair on my arms stand up. We shape the future when we partner with God. And you might say, well, you know, well, his blessing was technically for the generations and, you know, then we think of generations or 400 years ago and whatnot, but it's, and it's easy to get fixated on that generations word. Um, but, uh, you know, when we talk about the future, the future, well, when does the future begin? Right now, (laughs) the future begins right now, now, now. Uh, The future is right, is here, is right under our noses. And uh, uh, it begins right now in the future. uh, The future us's that we are right now, tomorrow, we're not going to be the same us's that we are today. And so when we pass on God's kingdom blessing to others, we're shaping the futures of of, uh, we're shaping the future of God's church when we pass on the blessing. So that's our simple takeaway from this passage, um, that we don't just receive the blessing of God and then just go about our lives. We, we pass it on. So there's many of us in this room, if we stop to think about it, uh, you know, we're here because someone, somewhere, at some point, was, who was surrendered to the Lord um, had been willing to, uh, to spend some time with us, to 
um, to get face to face with us, to be present and to be engaged. And when I think of my own story, I can say that had it not been for the dad of a, of a girl that I was dating in high school, inviting me to talk about the Lord, inviting me to read the Bible, inviting me to write in my journal what God was saying to me through the word. If it hadn't been for, for that person being willing to be engaged with me, I probably wouldn't be standing here preaching that message today. And I'm sure there are a number of other stories out there that right now that you're thinking, yes, that's me. I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for that person. So like Isaac, those people who have invested in our future, they put their faith into action when they blessed us concerning our futures. So how do we pass it on? There's only one way to do it. There's only one way to pass on the blessing, and it's, it's being engaged with God's people. Last week, Pastor Jeff showed us how the fulfillment of God's promises to Abraham, and Abraham and Sarah specifically, right? 99-year-old uh, would-be parents. They had to get in there and and be physically involved. To be, they had to be engaged with one another for that promise to, to be, be delivered. They didn't have the promise before they were engaged. They engaged, and then God delivered the promise. And, you know, I mean, shoot. We could think of, first thing that comes to my mind is student ministry leaders, the adults that spend time with our kids that are here every week, that, uh, that are disciple them all through the years. I see Alicia Howard back there. She just spent, what was it, seven years, eight years with, girls starting at sixth grade, and they just graduated from high school, and she invested her life in them and, and, uh, and in their future. Or people that have served in children's ministry literally for decades. I'm looking at you, Sister Anka, in the front row. Decades so that children would know that God's kingdom is a good place. It's where you want to be, right? Or, you know, for myself being, I've been worship pastor here for many, uh, many years, and I think of those senior members of our church that, uh, you know, they, they saw with regard to our worship music and when things changed, they saw the missional value of us moving into worship preferences that weren't exactly their thing, but they saw the missional value that because they knew that it was in regard to the future of future generations. And so when these people pass on blessings, there's power in it because they've already given of themselves for God's sake and for the sake of all they serve. So that's, a bless. that's somebody I want to, to bless me. And so, man, I could stand here for probably the next half hour, and we could just list off uh, people in our church that are engaged in shaping the future of MCC. So by faith, we're called to bless the generations to come with regard to their future. And this is a, a really important part of this also that we just can't forget because it was so packed in that story of Abraham and his sons. We pass the blessing of, of God onto all peoples. All peoples. Not just those we favor or those who are like us but, uh, or those who are already in the kingdom even, but we pass on the blessing to the nations. We are called to bless, pass Jesus' blessing onto the nations, those who are not yet part of God's kingdom, or maybe even those who are making our lives difficult, we're called to bless them as well. And may we never, of course, forget the blessings that Jesus said, man, to the least of these, don't forget to bless the widow, the orphan, the refugee, the outsider. And we have people in our church in this, in this very room who are actively engaged in doing that very thing as well as their ministry. And lastly, and this is really super brief, None of this means anything unless we are already willing to be surrendered to the Lord, right? Having some degree of faith 
in his promises. So here's our challenge from this word today. And it is kind of a challenge, really. Will we be God lovers who sit back, reap all the blessings that God has for us, and then go home? Or will we be God lovers who say, Lord, I hear your call to take my faith to the next step, putting our faith that we've acquired into action for the sake of future generations of God's kingdom. Will we be that church? And if we're willing to be surrendered ourselves to God so that others will receive the blessing of God's kingdom, if so, then what, what tangible, concrete steps can we take now so that we can put our faith into action, so that you can put your faith into action, so that I can. In just a moment, we're going to spend some, uh, some minutes in worship. Um, and in fact, I'm going to go ahead and say, will you stand with us as we uh, prepare to spend this time in worship with the Lord? And I invite you to use this time to approach the Lord uh, in a relational way, right? Be relational and say, God, how can I put my own faith into action in your kingdom? Maybe even ask God to, to speak to you uh, yeah, as we worship or as the day, you know, throughout the rest of today or even next week, asking the Lord just to reveal to you your next steps of making your faith actionable. What choice or choices can you make today in order to move toward that? So here's the invitation I want to, uh, to offer to you all today. And maybe it's time for you to say to the Lord uh, as we respond, God, I've, res- I've surrendered myself to you And in many ways, I've received your promise and the grace and love of your salvation and renewal. And I I think it's time for me to be surrendered, surrender myself to you again, but this time in order to bless the future generations of your kingdom. It's time for me to put my faith into action. And may one day we all be commended for our faith the way that Isaac was in Hebrews 11. Because Isaac... Uh, put his faith into action. And may they say of us, the people of Marin Covenant Church, by faith, Marin Covenant Church blessed the next generations of God's kingdom and blessed all nations in regard to their future. Let's bring this to the Lord in worship.